This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. You know, it occurs to me that sometimes we look and we come here and Christ left us a pretty profound thing to do on a, on a weekly basis. When we come here and we gather around the table, we're supposed to look at our lives and evaluate our lives and see how we match up to the example that he set. But you know, there's another thing that we, we often look at in, in a, a verse that we've considered many times that seems to be in contradiction to this. In Proverbs 16 and 2 it says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. You know, we've talked about this before. I've had it in other lessons to talk to you and say, you know, in a man's own eyes, we've seen it over and over. A man can justify anything he wants to do, can he? We've seen murder. People have murdered others and said, oh, you know, it wasn't my fault. I was just so enraged. I had no control. We've seen people defraud others. They've done all these things. They've stolen from people. And, oh, you know, no, you just misunderstand. I didn't actually do anything wrong. I was well within the law on that. And ethics may not have anything to do with the decisions they've made. And they, in some way, show that they're justified in their actions. So when we read this verse, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, I think we all understand that. We see things go on in this world, and we think, how in the world could you think that that was okay? Well, believe me, they think it's okay at times. So when we gather around this table and we're told to evaluate our lives and look how they add up to, God, to Christ's example, how can we do that? You know, it's very easy for us to do the same thing. We may not commit murder. We may not commit fraud. But oftentimes we fail in living up to that example. And we have to have an honest assessment of how we are measuring up to those things. And oftentimes it's easier or it's a better or more objective way to think about what are other people seeing in my life? What do they see when I live from day to day and I proclaim to, to try to live my life according to what Christ would have me to do? What do other people see? Maybe that's a more objective way of looking at it. So that's what we want to talk about for a short time this morning. In James 2, verses 18 through 26, it says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. You know, I look at that verse 19, and I've read it over and over, and it occurs to me that if you look at that, what is he saying here? Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. What's he saying? You, you know, you believe there's one God? That's a good start. That's a good start. You're on the right path. But is that the end of it? Is our belief all that matters? No, there has to be some follow-through on that, doesn't there? And that's what he's saying here. As we continue on in verse 21, or excuse me, in verse 20, But thou wilt know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou thy faith wrought with his works, and by my works that was faith made perfect? 
And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that works. You see then how that by works a man is justified not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You know, when we think about the, the thoughts of this morning, we begin there in the first part of that passage. It says, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without my works, and I will show you thy faith by my works. You know, somebody can't tell our faith by looking at us many times, can they? They may look at our lives, and they may see how we deal with different situations and what we turn to and what we count on in those times. And certainly there's something to be said by that. And some people can look at that and see and understand that there's something different about an individual that's able to do that. But without works, people many times don't see our faith. And it's up to us to make sure that that's, that's clear in our lives. That yes, we serve God. And it's our, it's our goal in life to live up to the example set by Christ. And if we're doing that, then we're going to have those works in our lives. No matter how small they may be, they'll shine through with the example that he set. In Romans 1, verses 8 and 9, it says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in this gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in your prayers. What's he talking about right there? That's talking about what our... Um, how people foresee us. When I say Brit's name, what do you think about? Do you think that he's a no good rascal? He'll cheat me if I turn my back? <laughs> never. You would never think that about Brit McCarter, would you? Not going to happen. And it's the same here with these people. When he talked to me, he said, your faith is known throughout the world. Because that's the reputation that they had. And he said, I, I never make mention in my prayers without mentioning you guys' names. How valuable is that to us? When we look at that and we look at our lives, how valuable is it for us to be seen that way? You know, when we go around the table and we look at our lives and we evaluate those things, are we living up to that standard? What would other people say? In Romans 1 and verse 10, it says, That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both you and me. It's talking about coming together with people of like faith, isn't it? When we come here this morning, why do we come here this morning? Because we want to serve God. What's the secondary reason? Because to be around people of like faith. We're around people all week long that do not have that faith, that do not live by those standards. We take a short time to come together so that we can be with people that have that like faith, that strive to live up to those things. Why? Because we're perfect and because we always live at that standard? No, because we know we have failures in our life. And we need to be around people that are living up that. And they have the same goals and the same standards. And when we come here, we feel uplifted, partly because we're gathered with people of that like faith. So let's look at some examples of people that through faith were justified by their works. In Hebrews 7, 11 and 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. 
You think Noah wanted to build that ark? You think about that for a minute. You had this guy. He's out there. He's supposed to build this immaculate thing to save the world. Something so big. We think about the pyramids a lot of times when we think about them building things back then. You had this guy that was tasked with building this ark. You know, we've been working on a lot of projects lately at our house. And I get up in the morning and I hurt. I hurt all over. I'm sore. I'm tired. (laughs) And all I can think is, this is my last hoorah. I won't do this again. (laughs) Think about Noah. He took on the task of building an ark. Now, I can't imagine that. But he did it. And he did it out of faith. He did it because God asked him to do it. And he didn't question it. He didn't say he didn't want to do it. He did it. And certainly when we look at this and when we gather around this table, we should look at it in that way. What does God ask of us? Are we living up to that? Hopefully we are. And if we're not, we'll identify those ways where we need improvement. In Hebrews 11, verses 24 and 25, it says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. You know, this one has always perplexed me. When I look at this and I think about what Moses gave up, when you look out into society now and you see all these people that want to be influencers, I want to be an influencer, what does that mean? It means I'm going to have a lot of people that claim to like me that may not even know me. But I'm going to have influence over their lives because I like this lipstick or I like this car, this set of tires, whatever it is. And that's the things that we're, we're drawn to. And everybody now, they want to be a rapper or a pro, pro athlete or an actor. All of these different things. But you know what Moses had sitting in front of him was far greater than any of that. And you got a lot of people on, on, in the, our country now that, that would murder half the planet to be put in a position like this. Moses gave it up. And what did he give it up for? Moses gave that up to go and be with slaves. Because he said, those are my people. And that's where I'm going to be. That's hard to believe, isn't it? With what we see in today's society. That everyone wants to be famous. You know, we got these people out there. They're famous for being famous. They haven't done anything. They just are. And for some reason, they're put up on that pedestal. But Moses said, no, I'm not going to do that. He could have had endless luxuries. And he chose not to do that. And it was a choice he did through his faith. Do our peers see our faith through our works? Through the things that we do, the choices that we make, the reactions do we have that we have to things in this world? You know, it's something that we have to look. I can't look at your life and tell you if you do that. I can only judge for myself. And hopefully we're giving it an honest and objective assessment when we do that. In 1 Corinthians 8... Verses 9 through 13 we see, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see that which has knowledge sit at meat at the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through the knowledge shall thy weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when ye sin, so against your brother 
The wound their weak and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. You know, we have certain liberties. We've been given certain liberties. But do we put those liberties ahead of our brothers, of our sisters? You know, some people can't can't take those things. Those things interfere with their service to God. Do we put our liberties above their well-being? That can happen. If we're not careful, that can happen. And we have one of these weaker brothers that can't live up to those things, that have those things. They're disruptive in their life and their service to God. Do we lean on our liberties so hard that we just can't let it go? That we don't care about our brothers and our sisters because it's important to us that our freedoms be maintained. We see so much of that in our nation today. People talk about their liberties, and I've, I've got the freedom to do whatever I want. Unfortunately, in those things, sometimes we do things that hurt our fellow man, and it shouldn't be that way. In Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as light in the world. You know, it's a very dark world out there. And it, it describes it here as a crooked and perverse nation. You know, we live in a time where there's pretty much nothing off limits. There's nothing off limits. We can buy what we want. We can do what we want. We can hire out what we want. And there's some pretty perverse things out there that we can partake of if that's what we choose to do. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people choosing to do those things. I cannot see how anyone could, be, could participate in human trafficking. It's beyond me. To me, that is the epitome of evil, that you would Im, Im, uh, put someone in bondage and sell them to someone else. Yet it happens every day. Thousands of people are traded all over the world every single day. How can people do that? It's a very dark world. And this describes it as a crooked and perverse world. And what's he say we should be? We should shine as lights in that world. We should be different. People should look at us and see Christ reflected in us. And be a small light, no matter how small that is. A small light in this world. And we have to live up to the example that he set in order to do that. In Titus 2, verses 12 through 14, it says, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. That's what he intended. He intended to look at his people and see something different from what you see in the rest of the world. And it was his intention that that light spread to other areas, to other people, that they would be touched by the lives of his people and that more may be brought to him through that light. In Romans 12 and 21, it says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. 
You know, we talk about the world being evil a lot of times. And we hate what we see out there, the things that people do, the things that occur. But what's he say? How do we overcome that? It says overcome that evil with good, with good in your life. Make a difference in somebody's life with the things that you do and the way that you live. In Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul basically told these people, everything you've seen me do, do that. You know, I, I, I think about that, and I think about, you know, if so, when you're learning a new job, and maybe you go back to when you're a teenager or whatever, and they, somebody's to, teaching you how to do something. And I remember learning how to drive a tractor, and I remember uh, what David said the first time I did that. He said, now, no matter what, just remember, if things go wrong, hit the brake. <laughs> hit the brake. I, and I think that is what Paul's saying here. Look. If you get nothing else right, do the things that I've shown you. Do the things that I've taught you, and it'll be okay. I think of that when I think of this, this uh, passage that Paul gives us here. Is our life good enough that we could recommend this to others? Not that we would, and that's, that's not a boastful thing, that's not a proud thing. But when we look at our lives, could we you be that example? Should, could we put an example up to people that look at our lives? And probably none of us would say that because, you know, we would see that as being arrogant or whatever. But could people look at what we do on a daily basis? Look at the things that we do. Look at the things that we teach others. And maybe get in the ballpark with how they ought to live. Hopefully they can. And hopefully when we come around this table and we evaluate ourselves, we can look at that and see the, the faults that we have and the work that we need to do in our lives and make improvements where those improvements are needed. In Acts 10, verses 1 and 2, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people. And prayed to God always. You know, we see here a good example of how we should be in our homes. It says he was a devout man, one that feared God with all his house. That's what when he says with all his house. That means that's, he taught his family to be that way. And so when we look at that and we think about how we want to have our home and what we want to teach our kids and how we want to conduct ourselves on a daily basis, says he was a devout man, and he feared God with all his house. That's what he taught them. What are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching those around us about Christ, about the way we should conduct ourselves and the behavior that we have with others? In Joshua 24 and 15, it says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, Joshua clearly stated that he and his family were going to follow God, regardless of what happened to them. That was the choice that they were going to make, that they were going to follow God. 
And, you know, certainly in our, our own homes, we should be the same way. Skipping down to verse 31, it says, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders and the overlived, that overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. You know, that's the reputation that he had. And that reputation carried on, and that spread. It said that they, his reputation overlived him. And people knew that of Joshua. We should be the same way. And that's what we want in our homes. That's what we want to happen in our homes. That at the very least, we teach our own kids and our own families how these things should be, would work and how she would live up to that example that's been set. Do we instruct our children to behave as they should? How do you train your children? Do you teach them to be respectful and courteous? Do you teach them to pay attention in church? Do we teach them those things? You know, too many times we don't teach kids anything these days. We have people, we have kids graduating from high school and going out into the world. They don't know the first thing about how to live. And maybe you haven't experienced that or seen that, but it's sad that they've lived that long and really their life has, has existed on their phone or video games or TV, whatever the case is. But when it comes to real life and being gainfully employed and being able to support our families, they don't know the first thing about those things. And I don't think we have that situation. I think we are teaching our kids to do those things and how to live and how to live up to the expectations that God has of us. And we need to take that job seriously. In Proverbs 22 and verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm going to admit, admit right here, that's not always the case. We've seen kids grow up in good homes. Homes where their kids were taught exactly what they should do and how they should live up to what God expects from them. But you know, as long as God gives us free will, there's going to be exceptions to this. And he does. He gives us free will to do whatever we want to do. And unfortunately, at times, that's going to happen. Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14. Withhold not correction from the child. If thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Now, we're not talking about child abuse here. I think most of us know that. <laughs> it's talking about discipline. Do we discipline our kids? Do our kids have discipline when they go into the world? To do the things that need to be done, not necessarily what's easy right now, but what's best for me and my family in the long run. Proverbs 29 and 15, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And that one right there is worrisome, isn't it? When we look at that verse, the child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. You know, we have to be very careful, because when you hand a kid a phone... They'll sit in a corner for days on end and never look up. We have to think about that. Just because they're in the corner not causing a problem, we need to understand. Leaving them alone is not what they need. They need interaction with their family. They need interaction and they need to know that there's more to life than what they're seeing on that screen. And what they see on that screen most of the time is not reality. It's not reality. And they need to understand that. And we can only do that through interaction with them. 
if we aren't proactive, then we leave them to, to themselves. And unfortunately, when we're left to ourselves, if we don't have someone to teach us, it's going to be a very, very painful upbringing, isn't it? You know, for, for years and years, we've been told that we shouldn't discipline our kids. We shouldn't teach our kids. You know, they should be left to make their own decisions. And where has that gotten us? We have a bunch of kids out there that are now being told that they have this job, this important job, and they need to make all of this money. But they don't know the first thing about life. It needs to be different. We're supposed to be that peculiar people. And that starts with our children. Are we teaching our children to be respectful? That's number one. That's where it starts. To teach them the example and teach them what the expectation is. Why is it we get so excited when we see kids come through the back door here? When we see Jocelyn and, and Jasmine or some of these boys on the back row? Why do we get excited about that? Because they're respectful. Because when they walk in the door, they've got a smile on their face. Because we don't dread seeing them come through the door. They're a delight to us because of the things that they've been taught and the discipline that they have in their lives. Not to just do whatever it is they want to do, but they live up to that, that standard and that example that was set for them. In 2 Timothy verse one, uh, chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, When I called to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. It talks about that faith. Paul's telling Timothy here that he can see the example Timothy's grandmother and mother left with him. And that's the way we should be, conduct ourselves when it comes to our kids. When they look at our kids, our kids are a reflection of us, like it or not. They are a reflection of us. And we have to teach them the way we want them to be. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, it says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And unfortunately, it doesn't matter about our upbringing. It doesn't matter how well our parents taught us growing up. We can ruin that all by the people that we keep, by the people that we hang around with, that we spend our time with. That can happen. We have to guard against that, and we have to know and make that determination. Is this person being a positive influence in my life? Or is it something that I need to avoid? Is it something that I need to address? And once again, we've got to have an honest assessment of that, an objective assessment of that. What would other people tell us? If they were evaluating that. Is that person a good influence on you? You know, unfortunately, it's hard to have those conversations now. It's difficult for people to go to you and say, you know what? You, you may need to think about what you're doing there. Because you're, what the things you're doing now aren't in line with what you've been taught, with how you usually conduct yourself. It's a hard discussion to have. So we need to be aware of that. Proverbs 13 and verse 20, it says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You know, once again, he tells us, if our com companions are fools, then we shall be destroyed also in the end. Verse 21, it says, Evil pursueth sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. And in the end, the righteous will be repaid for their good works. 
These are all things that we should think about when we evaluate ourselves. Are we living up to those things? Are we allowing things in our life to persuade us to do things that we know we shouldn't? Or take us in a direction that maybe we don't see as being a problem. But they can be if we don't look at it with an honest assessment. So as we evaluate how we are in this life, as we come around this table, what do we look at? You know, we may go down the list and we may say, okay, I'm, I'm doing good here. Or I'm, I need a little help there. I need work there. This is how it should be for us when we look at those things. And I'm not saying we don't look at the things that we're being successful at. I think we've seen a lot of studies that say, you know, you've got to look at the positive things too. And maybe we do that. Maybe we say, I think I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay in this area. Acknowledge that. That's not an arrogant thing to do. Say, I think I've got a good control of this. Now let me work on this side. Let me work on the things that I need work on. And that's how we, that should happen. So as we think about what our peers are doing, what have they seen? If we filled out this right here and they filled out the same questions, would they, would they end up being the same? You know, Matt talked about this subject a while back, about know thyself. Do we really know ourselves? Because I've seen at times where people, they'll make a comment, well, this is how I am, you know, I, I do this. And you look, you're like, well, you're really not that way. And maybe that's not a bad thing. But we can be deceived, can't we? Every man's ways are right and are clean in his own eyes. We have to understand that and be objective, objective when we make this evaluation. And know where we're doing good and where we need help. And we need to work on those things we need help with. And we need to do things that help promote those areas that we're doing better in. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.